Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Just got back two weeks ago from my annual golf trip. 33rd straight year. 347 more days till number 34. It's always fun. Every single thing about it. Except keeping score. Not that the score doesn't matter. It does. In fact, in some ways, it's all about the score. It's none of us want the responsibility of being the scorekeeper. So we rotate it. And when it's my turn, I just want the number. I don't want the backstory. And, you know, one of my buddies, I'll say, well, Willie, what you get on that hole? And he'll go, well... The drive was to the right, then I used my four iron, or no, no, five iron, and I put it just short of the trap, and then, I, oh no, it was a four iron, and then I pitched it on and two putted, oh no, a, a three putted, one, seven. And I'll say, well, the strokes you gave me was six. He said, I'll take a six. You know, when I retired last October before I agreed to join with you folk during this defined period of time, twixt pastors. I worked for LCEF and I had a number of direct reports, people who would report to me. And I could always tell when somebody had not done what they had agreed to do because they would start with the backstory. And they'd give all kinds of reasons why they, in fact, they would turn it into a story problem. Well, I was going to do that, but there were two guys in Pittsburgh, and one was on a bus, and one was on a train, and one was going 40 miles an hour, and the stuff they told me was just about as nonsensical as that, and I would always do the same thing. In fact, it got to be kind of a little joke within our department. I would always say, don't show me your scars. Just tell me what you did, and we'll go from there. We all have personalities. That's mine. Brevity. I'm more into the what than the how or the why. So I was in the parking lot of a local grocery store, and this this guy on a bike pedaled up to me, and I knew what was coming. In fact, I started reaching for my wallet. But then he launched into the narrative. He said, hey, brother, can you help me? And he was a little down on his luck, but his luck was now changing, and he was trying to scrounge up enough money to get a bus ticket to Springfield where his sister knew somebody who had a lead on a job he might get. And God was now blessing him, and God was going to bless me, and God was blessing everybody in the parking lot. And finally I said, look, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to hear the story. I just want to give you the money. So I opened my wallet. There were a couple of ones and and, and a five. I gave him the five. And I expected him to be effusive in his gratitude. He was not. He just went on to the next guy. There was kind of a crusty guy coming out of the grocery store, headed to a pickup truck that was piled with all kinds of imaginable. It looked like he had been to the dump, picked stuff up, and was going home. 
and the beggar on the bike pedaled up to him and said, hey, brother, and the guy cut him off. Well, I got a little change. You can have that. But, you know, I've been down on my luck a little, too, and, and I know what you're going through, and it's really hard, isn't it? And the two of them stood there and had a conversation for two minutes. So if, if Jesus would have told that story in parable form, he would have ended it this way. Which of those two men, the guy with the five or Mr. Krusty, acted in love? Well, can I tell you, it won me. I mean, I gave the guy a five, but primarily because he was a nuisance and I was paying him to go away. Yeah, you've done that. And here's the ironic part. I felt good about it. I felt, wow, a five, he's going to look at that and go, well, wow, you know, most people won't give me a five. I got, this guy's really good. But I did not treat him like a person. And Mr. Krusty, whether he gave him the change or not, gave him far more than I did. He gave him a little respect and a modicum of dignity. So in today's gospel, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. By this, all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And see, we hear those words and we think, oh, sweet, we got that down. We love real good here. Well, frankly, I hear that kind of thing from every group I've ever been associated with, whether they're Christian or not. I used to belong to a group of speakers. We did motivational speaking, and we would meet once a month, if not more. And I had just resigned from being a real pastor, and I used to say of that group, it was the most loving group of people I had ever come across, and the name of Jesus was never uttered, at least in ways you would feel comfortable with. Christians do not have a lock on love, although we talk like we do. And sometimes what we think of as Christian love is really just that familial warm thing that comes when people get together. So maybe we need to really pay attention to what exactly Jesus means when he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And see, here's the danger. It kind of sounds like, and I've heard this preached, it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying, I want you to get out there and love, and I want you to love so good that everybody's going to go, ooh, must be a Christian. Have you ever tried that, by the way? Have you ever, have you ever made up your mind you were going to love all the people around you? How well did that work? It's kind of fitting I tell this story today when Ben is here, because it kind of involves him. I was in the office of the church on the outside of Chicago and I was in my office and I was having a little devotional time, a little reading, a little praying and all of a sudden for like one of the three times in my life it all fit together. It was like the veil was lifted and I understood all mysteries and I had it together and I knew it was all about love and I was filled with a peace and a joy and I made up my mind I was going to love the people around me in ways they had never been loved before, every single one of them. I was so filled with love in that office I should have stayed there because I went to the junior high. You've been there? Ben had a basketball game. So I put myself down in the bleachers. Great. But it wasn't long that a few... Junior high kids came and that attracted more and more and more and pretty soon we had attained the whole gaggle and they were surrounding me and they were doing what junior high kids do, eh? 
They were jostling. The bleachers were going up and down. The, the hormones were raging. They were being silly. And I'm trying to watch this basketball game, which was a sacred time for me. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, this is a test, right? You know, I can do this. I can lo- and so I'm thinking, I love you kids. I love you kids. I love you kids. I love you kids. And after about three minutes, I got up and walked away. Because the only way I could continue to love them was to get out of there. Have you noticed that? Some people are easier to love from a distance. Now, what if God would have done that? What if God would have remained where it's safe and comfortable in heaven, wherever or whatever that is? What if God would have said, look, I love you folks, but you're a hot mess. I need boundaries. But he didn't. He came and sat in our bleachers and dealt with people who misinterpret, who don't understand, who don't get it, who think their way is not only the right way, it's the only way. People who hide behind religion, people who get arrogant, people like us. And instead of leaving, he did the most surprising thing ever. He came even closer and wrapped himself in our flesh and poured himself out for us and accorded us the honor of treating us as those he had created us to be. That's love. Love is not meant to be sanitized in a sanctuary. It's the most risky thing you and I can ever do. Love never buys somebody off with a $5 bill. It never leaves the bleachers. And it sometimes is even interested in how and why. So how do we love like that? Well, here's the good news. We don't. This verse, a new commandment I give you, there are certain shadings in the Greek that kind of change the focus. Commandment, the Greek word is entelomai, which means commandment. But it also means force. Think Star Wars. It means a wellspring which changes the focus from an external mandate, do this, to an internal mechanism that drives everything we do. So Jesus says, I'm going to put a force in you that's going to drive everything you do, and what comes out of that is love. And the word give, didomai, means give, but it also means entrust or bequeath or to hand off as an inheritance. Some of you folks have stuff that you receive from your folks as an inheritance, special because it's yours but it's theirs so essentially that's what jesus says i'm going to put i'm going to put something of mine in you and it's going to be a force which is going to change the essence of who you are so that love is not something you do it's something you are and it won't be impacted or affected by the people around and when we have that force of love within us it does it almost doesn't depend on the people around us it doesn't need to be validated by them it doesn't need to be received by them it doesn't need to be returned by them we don't have to react to them because they are not the objects uh, they are the objects of love not the cause of love and he is a spring in us that just keeps bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and loving and loving there's a pool of water in the south of france that's absolutely the most beautiful beautiful pool it's about the size of this sanctuary the most beautiful water i've ever seen except you can't see it i mean it's totally transparent 
It's a spring that forms a pool, and on the far end, it leaks over and becomes a stream that meanders off and feeds life down the way. You cannot tell where the water stops and the air begins. And you look in the water and you cannot see water. You can see life there. And every now and then you might see a ripple. But the greatest thing is you can't see the source. It butts right up to the face of a cliff. So there's a spring bubbling from underneath that forms the pool that becomes the stream that feeds life. That's what Jesus means. He's the source. He springs up inside of us and bubbles over to touch those around us, no matter how annoying they might be, no matter how pleasant they might be. It doesn't matter. Catch this. It can't be damned. It can't be stopped. And people can drink of it or they can ignore it. So here's the message today. Not get out there and love real good. Just would you know how loved you are? And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter the things you're dealing with. Would you know how loved you are? I mean, the cross, you know, that's such a conundrum, that thing. It is a scandal to those who think they're good enough, and it's a fairy tale to those who think they know better. In fact, I've heard people say, what in the world? Why would anybody use a cross as a symbol? It's an instrument of death. It's a proclamation of love. And you know what? It doesn't matter your backstory. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if you're on plan F for your life. It doesn't matter what an imposter you might feel. It doesn't matter how inadequate you might feel. It doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. You are loved. Would you just drink that in today? Would you just drink it? Put your lips right on that fountain and take it in. And keep drinking and keep drinking. And the spring will start. And the river will flow. And others will drink. And so be it. Amen.